our instinct, if you call me and want to sell me something, is to just hang up the phone. Like I'm going to end this and I will look for any out. As soon as you give me an out, I'm done. And so you've got to get to a place where you're you're getting to a place where people are more than likely going to want to answer you because you sound different. You sound energetic. You sound enthusiastic. People do not want to talk to people who call up and be like, um, hi, Shelby, you you are on my website and, and maybe looked at a house like and maybe not in those words, but I can't tell you how many sales calls I get that somebody sounds that effective or ineffective. Real estate rock stars, welcome back. I am Shelby Johnson, and we got Scott Smith in the house today. He is out of Denver, Colorado, been an agent for seven years, but back in the day, he was a loan officer, and he's got 30 years of sales calls underneath his belt, which is really fun, because later in the show, we are going to dive deep into some scripting, some role play, and give you guys exactly what to say to build trust and solidify that client as yours. But first, some stats. So Scott is the founder of a franchise called You First Realty. And although he doesn't close as many transactions today, this last year he did 20 and about 10 million in volume. He has this franchise of now he has 13 agents within his brokerage. And we are going to dive deep into that today. So Scott, welcome. So excited to have you here. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, Shelby. It's a it's a pleasure. Yes, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's go back, Scott. So I know just a, enough to be dangerous about how you were in the lending side of the business. So can you give us give us some more context? Take us back in time and how did you get to be where you are today? Sure. So I was I own a small mortgage company back in the mid 2000s and like a lot of people after 2008, 2009, really had a life reset, handed back about $4 million worth of real estate to the banks, um, moved out of my house in a snowstorm uh, with my five-month-old baby girl, and went back into corporate America for a few years. Always loved real estate. Got to a point in my life in my mid-40s where I realized that I was either going to be stuck in corporate America for the rest of my life, or I needed to do something different. And I was in a unique situation. And so I was able to get out and go get my real estate license, uh, was one of the top agents at U First Realty for a number of years. And when I got the opportunity, I bought the first franchise when they opened up the franchise model. And now I've got about 13 agents that work with me and I absolutely love my business. Dude, that is so cool. I am so curious about buying a franchise or opening up a franchise, like what is what does that look like? Because people all the time, they're like, oh, I'm going to start a team or I'm going to start a brokerage, but you don't hear as often the franchise piece. Can you t take us through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So Brandon over at You First has a phenomenal system. I love the way he trains. I love the way he coaches. And I wanted to go out on my own for a while, but the best part of buying a franchise is I get to keep all the pieces that I love about what Brandon does. And then I just get to add my flavor to it. So financially it made sense. It was a small investment, but with beginning to make a higher split on my own deals, I made that money back relatively quickly. Uh, so financially it was a no brainer. And I love the fact that they handle training. They handle a lot of the a lot of the minutia stuff that I don't want to deal with. So I really get to just focus on coaching agents. We do team meetings together with corporate. We do a lot of stuff. My office is really close to them. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. I own my own brokerage, but I, I've got a system that works that I'm able to lean on and people that I'm close to that I'm able to tap into when I need help. Yeah. And starting something on your own can be really scary too. You know, you're just like, your eyes are closed. You're like wading into the unknown, feeling out for walls, you know, am I going to hit anything? So it, it does make sense to me about why, if you already know his systems and the model and who they are as people, why expanding that way makes sense. I'm curious. And I don't know if you're allowed to share about like the costs. What is it? What yeah, did it so, cost? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, $25,000 to buy my franchise. And like I said, for so we were at a set, I was at a, like, I think my, the comp plan I was on back then was like a 75-25 split. 
And once I, once I became an owner, all I owed was the franchise fee. So I basically went to from 75 to 95 and that 20% on all my deals um, made that 25 grand back well before the first year was up. So like, it was a better deal for me than it was for Brandon. That's what I, was thinking. I tell him that all the time. Like you let me buy a franchise was a win for me and maybe not a win for you. Cause he lost all my production. Um, but he gained, you know, he gains my brokerage. So it's a, but it was a definite win for me. One more question before we move on to like agent, more tactical things. So was it a one-time 25,000 purchase yep. or like, does he get an uh, flow from the agents within your brokerage? He gets now? 5%. He gets 5% until they cap. What's cap? Um, so they cap at $24,000. <laughs> okay. So $24,000 in profit to the brokerage and the agents cap. And then, um, but he gets 5% of their production up to there. Okay, gotcha. All right, I might loop back to this later, depending on how no, the conversation you're fine. goes. I don't mind answering questions. I'm this is that. like, <laughs> real estate is a money-based business. It's always weird to me when people don't wanna talk about the money. Like this is why everybody gets into real estate and you need to understand, you know, the financial piece of it if you're gonna do it. Yeah, I 100% feel the same and I do get in trouble sometimes though, because I ask the questions, Hey, like, what does that look like money wise? And they're like, Oh, I don't feel like sharing. I'm like, damn it. We want to know. Um, <laughs> but okay, Scott, let's talk about, I know for the toolbox, which, um, listeners, if this is the first time you're listening to it, our guests do provide a tool for you for free, which you can get at realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and then click toolbox. Um, but Scott, what did you bring for us today? Yeah. So what I did was I uploaded a training that I do for my agents on building rapport and relationships. And it's really about how to establish client relationships and talking about kind of how to set up for a meeting, what to do at that meeting, and then how to make turn that into a successful meeting. So really just focusing on, you know, attitude and mindset, getting ready and, and conducting those kind of first initial uh, in-person meetings that you have with clients. So what is it? What is the, um, could you, would you mind telling us in more detail? So no, I'm, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, please. Um, I think really in the beginning, you've got to have an initial mindset of number one, being patient. And sometimes people mistake being patient for being lazy. And, and I, I think that's a big trope. Being patient means that you wait for your opportunity and you don't force the opportunity. But once that opportunity presents itself, then you definitely need to execute. So it's really just waiting for the conversation to develop, to give you an open window, to be able to either push the deal forward or push the conversation forward or push the meeting forward. Um, if you try to rush things, people feel that and it makes it's kind of a turnoff. Um, you know, if you've ever been on a date and somebody's pushing things too hard, you're like, oh my God, this dude's a creep, right? Like it's the same with a, with a client. If you feel creepy, they're going to back off. So you've really got to give them the opportunity to get to where you need them to be on their own. But then once they're there, don't be afraid to move, right? I think that's really important. It's so funny that you say yep. that. Oh, oh no, <laughs> go ahead. Quick story real quick. I, I was no, actually having a conversation very similar the other day with a newer agent. And he's like, yeah, everyone who comments on my, you know, posts on social media, I immediately like reach out and are like, hey, are you interested in buying, selling, you know, or investing? And a similar analogy to the creepy guy on a date. It's like if when you walk into a store, you know, and the salespeople just come at you and they're like, hey, what can I help you with? Hey, what are you looking for? <laughs> your instinct, even though you're there for something specific, your instinct is like, nope, I'm good, nothing. So that's totally, I totally agree with what you're saying about the patience. And I did not mean to interrupt, Scott. No, no, you're fine. Interrupt me all you want. This is your show. <laughs> you're not even interrupting. Um, I think the other piece is being genuine. If you're not yourself, people can tell that right away. And I feel like sometimes... Agents want to be a stereotype and stereotypes don't work you, because people can tell when you're not being genuine. So you really need to be yourself and be comfortable and being yourself around people. Um, my best friend is actually the I've known him for like 20 years. He's the ops manager at corporate. He says things on the phone that I could never get away with saying. And it's just because people take him for who he is. And sometimes he said stuff and I'll cringe like, oh, my God, did you just say that? And people laugh and they joke with him and he takes him to the next level. He's one of the best prospectors I've ever met. And it's really because Cody is able to take that being genuine piece 
at a higher level than anybody I've ever met in my life. Um, so it, I, I really think you got to be genuine on every call. Do you have an example? I'm dying. Tell me. What does he say? <laughs> you know, you really put me on the spot. I Dude, don't have an Cody example right now. But We got to uh, phone him in. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a joke. I <laughs> will phone him in, but I don't know if you want to. Like, he says some ridiculous. It, 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 it's just things that you might think in a moment that you would never say that that comes out of his mouth, right? Like yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. So you're you're patient. We're patient. We're going to let the conversation flow naturally. Probably ask questions to mirror them to make them feel more confident, comfortable with you, and then being genuine. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. We got the patient. We got the genuine. And then you want to be reliable, right? You want to make sure that. You answer your phone when you tell them, you you know, a lot of people will ask you questions and you won't know the answer. And the expectation is not that you know the answer to every question that you're ever asked. Um, one of the things I tell people when they ask me a question that I don't know is I will just simply tell them, look, I'm 99% sure I know the answer to that question, but I just want to double check and make sure I'm right. And then the most important piece of that is the follow-up, because if you don't follow up, then they're going to they're going to take that statement coming out of you as a push off um, as opposed to, hey, I'm going to get this information to you. So make sure if you tell somebody I'm going to get back to you with that, that you absolutely get back to them with it. Plus, it gives you a reason for a call, because I think one of the most important things about when you call somebody is not like I hate calling to check in or I just want to see how it's going. I'm never doing that. I'm always calling for some reason, and that's to push the deal forward. The reason that I'm going to call is though I've, I've usually have um, either a question that wasn't asked, answered, or some piece of value that I can give them for the call. And then that allows me to get in and push that call forward without really um, checking in on people. I hate when agents call to check in. Nobody, it never gets anybody anywhere. So what, okay, let's say hypothetically, you don't have a piece of value like you're trying to find a way to push the deal forward and have a reason to call someone and you don't want to say that you're just checking in. What are some things, some good options for people to use in lieu of just yeah. checking in? So what I would, um, if it's somebody who is stagnant, right? They're on the fence. They, you're not sure you haven't been able to schedule an appointment for them. I would just call and be like, oh my gosh, you know, the last time we talked, you've really been on my mind. I know that you said that you weren't really looking to buy right now because rates were so high. But, you know, this thing's just been kind of weighing on me. And I, I want to make sure that we talked about the cost of waiting. Um, and then I'll break down the cost of waiting. If you don't know what that is, basically, it's yeah. running through a financial scenario. I was going to be like, break it down for us. I feel like that would be super yeah. valuable. Like I'm on yeah, absolutely. client so, and you're calling me and it's been weighing on your minds and hit me. Here's a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Ryan Pineda. If you are trying to grow your real estate investing business, then you need to join us at Wealthy Investor. You have no idea what Wealthy Investor is. It is our coaching program and community. We have helped thousands of students worldwide grow their business. Now, it doesn't matter if you're just getting started and you're trying to get that first deal. We can help you do that. If you're trying to scale your business and go from a few deals a year to a few deals a month or even seven figures a year, we can help you do that too. In fact, last year alone, we had over 30 students do over a million dollars in revenue. And I'd love for you to be the next one. So it's pretty simple. If you're trying to grow your business and wholesale more homes or flip more homes or buy more rental properties, then you need to go to wealthyinvestor.com and book a free call with our team. It's super simple. We'll go on a strategy call with you and figure out how we can help you grow according to your needs. So all you got to do is go to wealthyinvestor.com, book the free call with the team, and we'll see you there. Now back to the show. Sure. So what we're going to talk about is let's say you're looking at a $500,000 house and you want to wait a year or two to see what rates do. Well, you're... You hear this a lot. You marry the house, you date the rate. And so let's let's understand that if rates come down in a year or two, you can always refinance. 
But the the cost that you're going to pay for that house today is $500,000. If rates go down in the next six months, we're going to end up into a buying frenzy. It's going to push the cost of that house up. So you're not going to be shopping for a $500,000 house. That same house at 500 grand, you're going to be shopping at like 550, maybe 575. So that's $75,000 in equity that you would have lost. Plus, if you're renting right now, you're paying, you know, $2,500 a month in rent. That's $30,000 a year. So now you're talking somewhere between $70,000 and $100,000 that you've lost over the next year or two simply by waiting because you don't want to pay an extra $150, $200 a month in a payment. And that $150, $200 a month is a few thousand dollars. And so you're going to lose an entire year's worth of income because you make $80,000 a year over the next two years simply because you wanted to wait. And if you really want to wait, then what we should do is go look at like $425,000 houses because that's going to be your affordability a year or two down the road based on what you make today. And you don't, you already told me you don't like those homes. So it, it just gives you a way in where you can start making money in the market instead of like a client that I had, you know, a couple of years ago who waited and then the pandemic hit and prices shot up and now they can't afford to buy at all. And so you don't want to be that person. You want to get into this market now. Dude, that was so good. <laughs> And I feel like that was really helpful for listeners because I think it's like those scenarios. Like if we were to just gloss over it and just be like, yeah, and then I would weigh the options. Like, no, those options, exactly what you just said, they can rewind that and like pull it out and use it in their own lives. I also really liked how you at the end, you that used your third party story. I feel like that is so important to use when people are on the fence about you or buying or selling or whatever. It's like, hey, you know, I just recently went through the same scenario with X, Y, and Z, and this is how it played out. And then it kind of pulls them out of, you know, it's not so direct. It's not like you need to do this. It's like, hey, this is what happened in another scenario. And this is what happened. Because now they can see themselves in that position without the direct, you know, almost confrontation of you, you know, so I just love the third party stories. I think you nailed that. Well, and I think it's important for agents to know that you can tell a story that's not yours, okay? So if you're a brand new agent and you don't have any stories, find somebody in your brokerage who has a lot of stories and just pick their brain. Find out situations that their clients have been in because you don't have to say it's my story. You can say my team, right? You don't have to set up a falsehood, but you can use other people's stories to prove points if you don't have your own stories because stories sell right? Like it is just, they always do. When somebody can relate, it's the old feel, feel, felt, found method, right? Other people feel the same way. This is how they felt. This is what we found. I mean, you can Google it. There's a million ways to use it, but telling people about what happened to other people makes it relate to them. And I love putting people in a group of smart people. So if you can tell somebody that something that they think is smart and you're validating that with another group of smart people, then you're making them feel better about themselves. And if you can make somebody feel better about themselves on a phone call with you, they're immediately going to feel better about you as well. Yeah, those little things are so helpful. So whenever, as you're going through, you know, the patients, the genuine, reliable, do what you say you're gonna do and stuff like that, tell us, continue, but also tell us all these stories that we can pull out and um, use in our day-to-day. Please, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you need to have conversations, not sales pitches. So many times I hear from agents that, you know, I'm I'm a great salesperson. Being a real estate agent really isn't about being a salesperson. There are moments in our job where we have to sell, but what you need to be having with people is conversations because I think conversations are much better and you're going to get much further along. And that's where, you know, you kind of bring in that genuine part, asking questions. Um, A lot of times people are afraid to ask the hard questions. They don't want to ask about money, right? Like you're having a conversation with somebody about a $500,000 house, but you're afraid to ask them how much money they make. Oh, that's the lender's job. No, You need to know that. You need to know how much money they make. How much money do they have saved? And you need to find ways of asking that that aren't necessarily, that don't feel as intrusive, right? Like, oh my gosh, what kind of car do you drive? I drive a Ford Escort. Oh, wow. How long have you had it? 
I've had it for like two, three years. Oh my gosh, interest rates back then were so much better. What's your payment? Mine's like 500 a month. Oh, my payment's like $400 a month. Well, wow, I just found out how much someone's car payment was. And I didn't say, excuse me, what is their car payment? Right. Like they wanted to tell me that because we were having a conversation like when people say they're renting. I'm like, oh, my God, I hate renting. Renting's the worst. How much are you stuck paying? And they're like, oh, I pay like twenty two hundred dollars a month. Oh, what do you get for that? Oh, I get this little one bedroom apartment. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Like uh, my last one bedroom apartment, I wanted to like jump, throw myself off the balcony because the people upstairs were pounded on the roof. And they're like, oh my God, it's the worst. And what you've just done is sold somebody on moving out of that one bedroom apartment into a condo, into a townhome, into anything else other than that apartment, because you have just discovered through a conversation that they hate renting as much as you do. Those are slick. Love it. Because you know I was going to ask you. You know, it's it's easy to say, have conversations, not sales pitches, but it's the examples of, you know, what do you exactly mean by that? And kind of the direction as well. So what what information are you trying to pull out? Because in those examples, that was definitely money-based, you know, where you're trying to figure out how much their car payment is, how much their rent is, and pain points within those. So how else are you using your conversations to gather information? What information are you gathering? Yeah. So when you're talking about, um, I love to find out about people's families. So when you're talking about, oh, what's your, what's your dream home look like? How many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? And they're like, oh, I need three bedrooms. Oh, wow. What are the extra bedrooms for? Are they for kids? Are they for an office? Oh my gosh. They're, you know, we need for my kids. I'm like, oh, great. Well, what are the kids' names? Because if I can get somebody's kids' names and then I can talk, and this is something I use to bridge from a phone call to um, being out actually in the field. So if I learn their kids' names early, when I'm out showing and the kids are there, I'm like, oh my gosh, little Jesse, is that going to be your room? Oh yeah, I love this room, right? Like I can bond with the, I love making kids do all my work for me. Because if you can get them to pick their rooms in a house, oh my gosh, you're like 70% getting the parents to buy that house. And I don't care what house people buy. I just wanted to help them buy a house. But if I know it's a good house for them and I know it's a it's a affordable house for them, I will absolutely use their kids to, to go out and do the work for me by, oh, do you want to play basketball in this backyard? Oh yeah, dad, can we get a hoop? Like all kinds of stuff, right? It's conversations with kids. Quick pause. Are you looking for new ways to lead generate? Aaron built his own software to generate off-market seller leads and just released a version for you. PropHawk is the most efficient and least expensive software out there designed to get you talking to sellers within minutes. With all the data of PropStream, the CRM power of InvestorFuse, and texting capabilities of launch control, you can get everything in one system for a fraction of the price of those others. Your investment is just 20 bucks a month and includes an hour-long free onboarding call so you start talking with sellers today. Go to prophawk.com and sign up. Now back to the show. Do you, when you first meet them or talking to them on the phone or whatever, and you get the kids' names, little Jesse, is that going into your CRM or do you just have this amazing memory? Like where are you keeping track of that? And are you <laughs> reviewing it before you go on the appointment? Are you like in the car pulling it up? Like what's little JJ's Jesse's name? <laughs> so in the section of my phone where I save people, where, you know, most people just save like Bob Johnson, I will have like Bob and I, I never, I don't care about people's last names normally because I'll, I'll work out their last name, but normally it's like, Bob, Susie, Jesse, Joanne, um, mother's name is Barbara, right? Like, so my, sometimes the length of the name in my phone is very long because they're used to me having my phone in my hand. So if I forget somebody's name, it's really easily accessible. That is an interesting hack. I, I do um, something similar, but I don't have all of the names. Like I usually just do reminders of who that person is or where I met them or whatever, but that's interesting. All oh, the whole family's name in one contact, right? The whole family's name in one contact this makes it much easier. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So now we asked questions about money. We asked questions about the family because you're having the kids essentially do the hard work on your behalf. What other conversations, not sales pitch tips are there? Yeah. So I think 
Like in any conversation, the most important thing you can do is listen. I feel like, and this is why I'm a big script guy. Um, I'm not a script guy because I think a script is a is a magic tool that will allow you to get somewhere on the phone. I'm a script guy because if I know what I'm going to say next, then, or I know what questions I'm going to ask next, then when the client is talking, I can listen because that's what a conversation is, right? It's mainly you listening and then reacting based off what they said. And if what you're doing is waiting for your next turn to talk and trying to think of what you're going to say, you're going to lose the opportunity to really, truly actively listen to that client. So I think it's really important that you actively listen to everything that they say. So I do, you know, that script to me is key. It's, it's very important that if you're on a phone call, you should have a printed out script in front of you up on your computer somewhere. If you get, if you get off topic, you put your finger where you were so that you can always come back to it. Um, but I, I do think, especially if you're a brand new age, look, I've been doing phone sales for 30 years, right? Like I, this is, I, you could wake me up at three o'clock in the morning, put a phone to my ear and say like, Hey, Barbara's interested in one, two, three main street. And me and Barbara are going to talk. Most people don't have that luxury. Uh, most people, this is newer to them. And even agents that have been doing this a long time are typically afraid of the phone. So don't think you're too good to get a script. And there are a million scripts out there on the interweb that you can get. It doesn't even matter necessarily which one you use. Just get something that you're comfortable with and stick to it on phone calls so that you can actively listen and be able to actually have conversations with people. 100%. So like, yeah, sales gets a bad rep, right? When people hear sales, they have this ne negative connotation on them. But really what I think of when I hear sales is persuasive leadership in the direction that that person has already said that they want to go. It's helping them get there. And the reason why I That's a I great definition, by the way. That's a fantastic definition. I win. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, I think scripts are so important too, because just like you said, where it's like, if you don't know where you're going, if you are the one who's trying to keep up and where are we going next, then you can't lead anywhere, anyone anywhere. Why would they follow you? You're making it up as you go. So like, it's one of the things where the scripts and in body, like truly understanding to the point where it's second nature to you is the only thing that allows you to step out of that fear-based, what is happening next, fight or flight type of, you know, persona and into this way where it's like, no, I, I understand the direction and now I can really truly understand your needs and help you get there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what you said is how you establish trust, right? Doing all of the things we talk about establishes trust with a client. And once you get to a base of trust, you're in. Like I'm telling you, once a client trusts you, it we we have a unique job in the fact that most clients, it's a high percentage. I think NARS statistics is like 80% of clients and knowing that most statistics are made up, but 80% of clients stick with the first agent they meet in the field. And if you meet them twice within a, a within seven days in the field, it goes up to high 90s, right? They, they'll almost never leave you. And the way you get them to meet you is you establish trust on a phone call. And once you establish trust on a phone call, that client is yours. And if you follow up well, they're going to be yours for life and their family is yours too. So you really need to, it, that's kind of the, the recipe of what we're talking about is to the ingredients is to the recipe of trust, right? Because once you build trust over the phone, which you can do much faster than you think just by once people realize you're genuine, they realize you're going to that you're going to tell them the truth. They know that you're that you're listening to them, all of those things. And then all of a sudden you have this person who doesn't know you that well, but they trust you. And then the rest of your job gets much, much easier. So for someone who's listening and they're like, man, I want to establish trust. I am a genuine person. I will tell them the truth. I'm a great listener but I still feel like I stumble. I still feel like maybe I'm nervous and I don't know what to say. So is there any chance that you'd be willing to kind of go through what you do when you first get on the phone with maybe, um, let's do a buyer the first time you're reaching out to them? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I keep putting you on the spot. I no, really it's do. all good. <laughs> Give me one second. So we are a leads-based brokerage. So I want to give you that kind of um, 
What does that mean? Heads up. So we're so that means that people come to people come to us based on some type of marketing that they've gotten that brings them to our website. They start looking at homes on our website and and put in their information, and that's what allows me to reach out to them. Um, so I. Although these days, because I don't prospect much, which I don't recommend getting away from, but running the brokerage has really kind of pulled me away from prospecting. Um, a lot of my business comes from old leads and referrals that have used me for years and continues to come back. Um, but so basically, the intro that we're going to use is something is, hey, this is Scott. And, and this is something that I think is really important when you're first calling a client is that. You do what's called assuming the decision maker. So many people call up and say, hey, is this Shelby? Well, if you say that, that gives Shelby the opportunity to say, no, this sure isn't Shelby. Sorry, click, right? If, it's a, if it is a female sounding voice and you have a female's name, then you just say, hey, Shelby, this is Scott from You First Realty. The reason that, that I'm calling is you express some interest in that Denver property that I posted on Facebook. Um, is Denver the only city you're considering? What you've done right there is now you've gotten to a question that somebody who's interested in real estate is more than likely going to answer, right? They're usually going to say, ah, we, I'm looking in Denver, but I love Aurora, or I'm, you know, I, I work in Denver, whatever, right? You're gonna get an answer to that. And so really it's just a very short intro that gets you to a question that they're more than likely going to answer. Yeah, I think, yes. The When you were doing that, I thought you were going to stop at um, the reason why I'm calling is you've expressed interest in this property. I thought you were going to say, is that correct? And I feel like that's what people would normally do. You know, like, is that correct? But then you threw the little freaking, threw me for a loop there with your, is Denver the only city you're considering? Because in my head, the psychology was like, well, now I want to answer that. I actually wanted to answer, whereas before I wanted to get off the phone. It was a yes. weird little twist. And that's the problem <laughs> is that people ask questions that people don't want to answer. Look, everybody we've, even if somebody's interested in buying real estate from you or in general, now maybe not necessarily from us, but in general, we have been trained like, you know, our grandparents didn't deal with many phone sales calls. Our parents started to deal with phone sales calls. We have dealt with phone sales calls for decades, right? Our instinct, if you call me and want to sell me something, is to just hang up the phone. Like, I'm going to end this, and I will look for any out. As soon as you give me an out, I'm done. And so you've got to get to a place where you're, you're getting to a place where people are more than likely going to want to answer you because you sound different, you sound energetic, you sound enthusiastic. People do not want to talk to people who call up and be like, um, hi, Shelby, you you are on my website and, and maybe looked at a house like and maybe not in those words, but I can't tell you how many sales calls I get that somebody sounds that effective or ineffective. And you, you get off the phone, but somebody calls you and they sound excited and enjoyable and they like they like their job and like they woke up this morning and drank a cup of coffee and didn't want to throw themselves off a roof. Like you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's talk. Like, okay, that sounds exciting to me. Tonality. And so I think you can really control that that pace and that tone. Yes, too. Tonality and the pace too. All of that stuff has such an impact that it, it's crazy to me too that like I feel like this part the deep dive into the words and the psychology behind it and then also like you said the energy and the tone and the pacing all of that stuff makes or breaks conversations and and I don't know I feel like it's never talked about Question. yeah it's yeah I have, okay so we're we're at the point where you asked me is Denver the only city that I'm considering my answer is um, no, Scott. And then how does it go? Sure. So now I will say typically when, um, no, Scott. Oh, great. What other cities are you looking at? I don't know money around Denver. So let's just make up. A, you said Aurora. Yeah. Perfect. That too. Awesome. Well, dream with me a little bit. Tell me about what your, what your perfect house looks like. Oh man. Um, it is... 5,000 square feet and it has, it's on five acres. Um, it's got an in-ground heated pool. Uh, am I dreaming big enough for you? <laughs> yeah. 
No, that look, you're you're making my dreams come true. That sounds like a gorgeous home. Like you probably want to be in Cherry Hills for sure. Okay. Um, I'm moving from out of state. So honestly, I don't know the area. Cherry Hill? Yeah, Cherry Hills is like one of the best communities in Denver. Okay. All right, hold on. I need a pen and paper. I'm going to need all this information later. We're going hard at it. This is the other thing is when someone's telling you stuff, write it down. Oh my gosh. Real quick, before we get back to the episode, two things I wanted to share. First, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It really means the world to all of us. Second, we feel like we're just getting started. If you enjoy what we do here, please follow us on this app, share an episode, or give us a quick review. I promise we're working hard behind the scenes to make this show as good as possible now and into the future. Thanks guys, back to the show. And it's funny, on actually, that, yeah have a buddy who was looking for an in-ground heated pool and it was like the hardest thing in the world to find. Well, I imagine it must be in Colorado too because it gets cold out there. I don't know if that, I feel like the energy bill to be heated, you're, I don't know. That's the whole thing. Um, question, side note real quick, you said write it down. So do you, I know your system for the phones and the names. Do you actually, do you use a CRM? If yes, what do you use or what's your process? We use Chime. Okay. Um, we use Chime, and I highly recommend putting your notes, taking copious notes, keeping them in Chime or whatever CRM you use. And there's lots of, you know, there's tons, high levels of good, cheap CRM. There's tons of like good, cheap CRMs that you can get. If you don't, if your brokerage doesn't provide one, go get one because this doesn't work that well. You think it does. If you don't have a CRM, what I would tell you is, and if you're just like, I refuse to spend the money on a CRM, another hack that I have for you, instead of writing stuff, never use post-it notes. If you use a po- if you are someone that uses post-it notes, throw every one of them away today because they're information vacuums. That sticky doesn't last forever. It's going to go away. And don't write down stuff on like random pieces of paper. Get yourself a notebook like this, and every day when you come in, simply put the date at the top of the page, right? And take all of your notes for that day on that page. Because one thing you'll know is, I know what day I talked to them. And then you can go back to that day in your notebook, and you can find all of your notes. Because if you've got it on random pieces of paper or post-it notes, it's gone. Done. Okay. Yes. We ready? I feel like I got to Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for Cherry Hill. I'm here maybe for Aurora. That's my answer. Awesome. Are you looking for a single family home or would you be open to a condo or a townhome? Oh, good question. I think I'm open to a condo, condo or a town. I like how you phrase that too, open. Um, yes, I'm open to those. Perfect. And how many bedrooms do you need? Um, in my 5,000 square foot home, just a three, two would be great. <laughs> okay. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And uh, really good what, are those ed- what are those extra bedrooms for? Kids, animals, office? Oh, an office and then a guest room. Oh, you're going to have a lot of people visiting you in your 5,000 square foot house. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but only one at a time. Yep. <laughs> what are your must haves in a home? For me, it's like I have to have a big backyard so my dog can run around. Uh, What would it be for you? Ooh, that was smooth. That inserting personal, you know, more connected. Because now I'm going to be like, yeah, my dog too. Samey, same. That's important. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Big backyard. Right. And maybe a must-have is so I can cook for my one guest. I would really like an open concept kitchen that's updated already. You know, I will tell you what's cool about Denver is they are taking – old homes that were very shut off and they're blowing walls out when they remodel them and making everything open. So it's very easy to find open concepts here. Nice. Um, do you rent right now? Um, yes. Oh my God. Renting is the worst. Um, <laughs> yeah. How much is your current rent payment? Um, $3,000 a month. That's gotta be painful. Tell me what yeah, that $3,000 a month gets you. Um, it gets me a very, uh, small house. It's like a, 
It's like a thousand square feet. <laughs> okay, my stories, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't get me much. And yeah, I can't wait to have a bigger home. And you're moving from Kentucky, right? Yes. Awesome. You, do you like the area you're in in Kentucky? I do. Yeah, it's nice. What do you like about it? Well, um, I like that it's really, it's quiet and it's safe. It's super convenient to the groceries and Starbucks and Chick-fil-A, but it's like tucked away within a neighborhood. So that way there's, you know, not a lot of traffic. Convenient, but also um, still quiet within its own little neighborhood. And, and just to take a time out, why would I ask that question of somebody moving from out of state? Because, yeah, because the listeners are not going to answer. <laughs> because if you can identify what I like about what I'm living, what I have now, then it it's, gives you insight about what's important to me. So I, you know, I told you it's convenient to Chick-fil-A or, you know, I like that it's close to grocery stores. Now those are things that in theory, if I like it here, then I might want it there. Is that, did I get it right? Yes. hundred percent. That's exactly yes. right. People think like, oh, if they're moving from out of state, I don't care about where they live. No, I want to know everything. Right. Cause now I know I need to, like you said, I need to get you close to a Chick-fil-A. I know you like Starbucks. Um, so if we're driving through a neighborhood when you come out to visit here and I can show you where the Chick-fil-A and the Starbucks is, again, that's building trust because you know I was listening to you. You're like, oh, those are my two favorite places. Yeah. There's so much of what you say that I think leads back to, and I wrote this on my sheet on the side, like curiosity. The word just curiosity, because if you are curious, which you are, you're like, oh, you know, what do you like about this and what's important to you? And what about that is important to you? Then just by being curious and asking the questions, you will learn so much helpful information to build the trust and find exactly what they're looking for and lead them to their next great, you know, purchase or sale. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, I think it's important that like, and it goes back to that being patient and not rushing because so many so many agents, when they get somebody on the phone, they want to rush to the appointment, right? Like I want to rush and try to get the appointment. But if you, if you, if you manage the call correctly, the appointment is a given. You don't have to, they're going to set the appointment with you. If you've, if you've done all these things, learned about them, know they're qualified, we get, um, you know, get all of the, the information that you need to make sure they're a prospect, not a suspect. And then your validates that there's somebody that you can actually take out and buy a house. And you've had all these conversations and they know my dog's name and I know their dog's name and they know my kid's name and I know their kid's names. Then they're meeting a friend and it makes it much easier. And it's not being fake. Like you, I, I feel like if people rush through to set the appointment, that is being fake. If you're having a genuine conversation with somebody and learning about them and they're learning about you, you're doing you both a favor. First of all, you're meeting a new per person and people spend thousands of dollars a year to go to networking events to never get clients. I've got somebody on the phone who's interested in me. I'm interested in them. And at the end of the day, they're interested in buying a house. And so I'm going to, I'm not going to blow that opportunity by rushing through. And like you said, not being curious, not asking those additional questions. Okay. So in this call, you're continuing to ask the questions, go in deep, share insight about you as a person and gaining insight about them as people. And then, so you go through this process, you, you're finding out what I'm look, you know, looking for. Do you also hit the money on the first, like, can you, can you walk me through the rest of the phone call? Yeah. So, um, we are going to, so we're going to, we're going to learn about credit income, debt, and savings on that call. We're going to ask them questions about um, what does their credit look like? And we it, we have a, an amazing thing in Denver called CHAFA, uh, which is basically a down payment assistance program. It's phenomenal. It's not in every state. They pay a little bit higher interest rate, but it gifts them the three and a half percent down payment. And, and it, it's a gift. It's a silent second. So it sits on the back of their mortgage. They have to pay it off if they refinance or sell. So we use talking about Chaffa to be able to learn about somebody's credit score because you got to have at least a 620 to, to qualify. So we're going to we're going to ask them if they've ever heard of Chaffa. If they haven't, we're going to very briefly explain to them what it is high level and then be like, oh, you just need a 620 credit score to apply. What was your credit the last time you checked it? Um, and so that's how we get credit. Um, 
We're going to talk about income. You're going to get in depth in income. You're going to ask them about their income. You're going to ask them about their spouse's income. You're going to ask them if, if they, if it doesn't look like they make a lot of money, sometimes people think, oh, calls over. No, you're going to ask them, do they have, um, do they have somebody that could co-sign if necessary? Cause sometimes mom or dad or aunt or uncle or grandfather is absolutely willing to co-sign for the house. So you're going to ask these in-depth questions that for a lot of people, they think, only a lender is going to ask them. But when I, the difference between when I hand off a client to my lender and when other agents hand off a client to their lender is when I hand them off to my lender, I'm able to tell my lender, this is a qualified person. We just need to verify what they've told me. Or, hey, this person's credit is terrible. We need to get them in some credit repair. Um, and lenders have amazing simulators. They can run it through, tell them exactly what to do. I've closed a lot of business off of other people's nose. So, you know, somebody talks to me, they're like, oh, I talked, and this actually probably about six months ago, I had a client that was a referral from an old client and they're like, oh my gosh, he's been turned down by lenders. He's been turned down by agents. Nobody will work with him. So I talked to him, understood what was wrong with his credit, got him over to Melanie, my the best lender in the business. Um, I love Melanie to death. She's amazing. Um, and she just, he needed a, a few little things to, to be done on his credit. It took us like 45 days to get him qualified and now he's living in a house. And so don't think just because somebody else denied somebody, whatever, you probably can still get them closed in a reasonable amount of time. Um, you really need to understand their debt. So you need to, you need to ask them about car payments. You need to ask them about student loan payments. You need to ask them about credit card payments. Don't be afraid to ask these questions. One thing that I learned when I was a mortgage broker is that I can get somebody's social security number in under nine minutes on almost any phone call. And I'm not any, like, I'm just a human being. You can do it too. So don't think that someone's not going to answer these questions for you. Um, if you, if you ask them in a way after you've built all this trust and now they know you're trying to help them get into a home. So ask the questions, find out about all, all the stuff they have going on financially. Do they have savings? Is it a 401k? Is it a, is it easily accessible? Is it in a savings account? Um, you want to find out all this information so that then at the end of the call, when you set that appointment, you know, people say, oh, I don't meet people that aren't pre-qualified. I meet people all the time that aren't pre-qualified because I have enough information about them to know that, okay, this is likely someone that can buy a house. Or sometimes I'll meet people who likely can't buy a house because I want to meet them in the field and build a relationship and get their referrals. So it's just a, it is a very probing call, but it's probing in a kind way where people are going to want to give you the information. Okay. And then after you've gone through all of that, do you, what is, how do you seal the, like, what does the end of it look like? Yep. So the end of the call is very simple. I'm going to pull up a house that matches what they're looking for on my CRM or through our website. I'm going to text them that house. I'm going to say, what do you think of this house? Nine times out of the 10, they're going to be like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And then I'm going to be like, cool, I have time later today. I can meet you at six o'clock tonight. Six o'clock doesn't work. Cool. What time works tomorrow? Tomorrow doesn't work. Awesome. What time works this weekend? We could do Saturday at 10 a.m. Perfect. I'll see you Saturday at 10 a.m. I'm going to send you a few other houses between now and then. And then I'm going to meet them out there Saturday at 10 a.m. with four or five houses already booked and we're going to go house to house. And then I'm more than likely going to get them to write an offer that day. I wish we had more time. We may have to have you come back, <laughs> Scott, because I really do enjoy the very like tactical, exactly what to say and digging into the details. You know, when you listen to a podcast, sometimes when you're like, Oh, that's just such a great story, but I don't know what to do. I like that with you, I feel like people can listen to this and actually know what to do. But we are almost done for today. I have one question before we had to wrap up. So what is the what does the future look like for you? You have you have the brokerage. Um, do you plan on like forever or what is what does the future hold? You know, I that's a great question. I've I do a little bit of wholesaling. Um, I belong to an amazing real estate mastermind group. Uh, run by Javi Hinojo, and it's the billionaire boardroom. If you don't belong to a mastermind, go go join one. Like, get a group of smart people and be the dumbest person in the room. I love 
Um, I love being the not smartest person in the room because it really helps me grow. Um, looking into a few different investment avenues and really want to grow my brokerage. My goal one day is 100 agents. Um, I've got a long way to go because I'm not that good at recruiting. I don't know why. It seems to be my Achilles heel. Um, but yeah, I'm going to get better at recruiting and we're going to grow this thing. Dope. Okay. Wrap up question number one. What events are you going to this year where anyone listening to this might be able to see you in person if you are going to events? You know, I'm going to Cancun um, for the billion dollar boardroom here at the end of October. Um, and I, that's and then I'm going to a conference in Pennsylvania. Um, but those are really the only two events I have planned this year. What is the conference in Pennsylvania? Uh, it is actually about how to buy and sell mobile home parks. Hmm, very cool. Okay. Yeah, I've got a buddy of mine who's a um, pretty heavy investor, and he wants me to learn that so we can do that, which is Take exciting. I love doing new things. My problem is, is I get bored doing things, and then I'm like, squirrel, and then I'm off doing something else. So, um, yeah, I, I like learning new stuff as much as possible. Where can listeners find you? Someone out there is they're thinking, I actually, I want to be a part of Scott's brokerage. I live in Denver. I've been looking for just you, or maybe they have referrals that they want to send your way. Where's the best way, place for people to find you? Easiest place is my cell phone, 720-252-7037. Um, I'm one of those rare agents that almost always answers my phone. Uh, you can email me at scott at youfirst.com. And it's just Y-O-U, the number one, S like Sam, T like Tom.com. Um, those are probably the two best ways to reach out to me. I'm on, I mean, I'm I'm on Facebook. I, at You First Infinity is the Instagram. Um, I'm a little bit older, so I'm not as social media savvy as some younger folks. And guys, when you're finding him on Instagram, it's Y-O-U and then the number one. Yes. So first, infinity. With everyone, yep. infinity. You first, like the like first place, not the word first. That's right. Number one for Scott. That's right. <laughs> okay, guys. And you know that if you want to hang out with me or Aaron, who's the owner of the show, you can find us on the gram at the Shelby Show or Aaron Amukastegi. Hit us with feedback. We want to know what you like, what you don't like, who you want to, you know, have interviewed, what topics you want us to find speakers on and go deep on. So please let us know. And that is all we have for today. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. No, I appreciate you, Shelby. Thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. I agree. Loved it. And Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.